What's up, guys, and welcome back to Paint Bravely, the podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover new ways to make your hobby more fun, and most importantly, learn to paint bravely. Now, today we're going to get into some of the stuff we've been doing, just kind of warm up, catch up a little bit, and then we've got some interesting things to talk about. There have been some happenings lately, and we're going to try not to... I don't know, railroad the podcast with that particular conversation as much as it is a conversation. And then we'll get into some fun stuff like conversions, hopefully. That's right. <laughs> so what have you been doing since the last time we talked, Brent? Okay, so today I was rearranging my paint, and ordinarily I keep it organized by brand, you know, brand and line. But today I'm trying something new. I'm, I'm trying to organize by whether or not I will ever actually use it and keeping that <laughs> on my desk. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've got one of those like uh, MDF kits, the risers that have the little holes to put the paint bottles in. Right, yeah. And I don't know, there's like 40 or 50 slots for paint. And mm -hmm. if you go through your collection and you figure out which paints you'll actually use, that's plenty. Generally, pretty yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, it. you really don't need that many. <laughs> yeah, every, every once in a while you'll need to go back to the rack and find your like weird teals and teal highlights and your aquas, but 40 paints, yeah, that 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 should be enough. Right. So what I had been in the habit of using is uh, those Vallejo 16 paint kits. Oh, sure. You get like Vallejo color and they have the starter set with 16 paints in there. And eight of them I use a lot, and eight of them I never use. And so instead of keeping that at my desk, just, you know, real quick, pick the ones you want, throw the others in a deep, deep drawer, and uh, call it good. So, <laughs> And then, so, so I've got my dream team lined up now right there on my painting desk. And I even went through and put a little dot of paint on the top of each cap, you know, just Ooh. to really <laughs> streamline things. So, uh... The future is looking bright. Uh, what's what's new with you, Casey? What's going on? Uh, a couple things, I guess. I got some very large toolboxes for my hobby space, and now I'm I'm currently filming in this hobby space for this podcast. This is the first time I'm doing that. Um, Brent, you can't actually see the stuff behind me, really. Uh, everybody else on camera can, if you are watching this on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I, I got some big giant toolboxes like that, that can hold a thousand pounds of tools. And, you know, I put like five pounds of hobby materials in them each. So definitely utilizing that space, but they're awesome. They, they stand up pretty high. They're on wheels so I can move them around and even make like a game table if I want to, uh, cause Ooh. they're, they're 46 inches long. So not quite, you know, six by four, but, uh, you know, definitely a good size space for some skirmish games and, and things like that if I put them back to back. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. It's kind of finishing out my hobby space finally. Um, and I'm almost, almost ready to do a video on that and kind of show it off. I'm super excited. And it's like a little bit of touches here and there to finish it off. But it's pretty much, it's nice. <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw your most recent video there, and those craftsman drawers or whatever are looking real nice. And yeah, it's funny to just put a few paints in each drawer, but you'll fill them up. I know you will. It's <laughs> oh, really nice will. to have that yeah. space. I hadn't I hadn't thought about being able to wheel them around and make a gaming surface out of them, but that's good too, eh? 
yeah, I mean, it's it's partially the reason that I bought them because, you know, I had the pool table before, right? Sold the pool table. We're just going to rehash that, right? That was a bad um, episode. <laughs> I, I am sorry that, that this podcast started episode. with that. I... <laughs> yeah, that was the first conversation was I'm trying yeah. to sell a pool table and then continuing the adventure of that. I'm done apologizing for my cats, but I'm going to keep apologizing (laughs) for you, Casey, every time you bring up that pool table. I am sorry, (laughs) Casey, keeps bringing this up. It is gone. (laughs) But look, the Craftsman uh, I mean, I got a a hobby space now. Yeah. Yeah. So it it was worth it. Level five hobby space, easy. I'm I'm happy for you. A little bit jealous, but also happy. Like, it looks good. (laughs) Jealous? What are you talking about? (laughs) Oh, I always like to change things up in my hobby space, and you've got a nice setup yeah. there. It gets me thinking. That's all. But I mean, these things didn't—they—they they don't weigh that much. Like realistically, you know, you put it on like a dolly or something. You could—you could haul it up some stairs. Oh, the 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 craftsman tool cases. Yeah, they could. Yeah. Get some straps, a pulley system, maybe some friends. Yeah, it could be done. It could be yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Outside, like a piano through the window. You know, if you dropped it, it probably wouldn't break like a piano. So there are lots of options for your hobby space. You could even wheel it in down in your basement and have a sweet airbrush setup that's, you know, movable. You can move it around, get some fancy shots here and there. Oh, that sounds yeah. real good. Yeah, uh, you've been taking fancy shots, and and I'm really enjoying your new videos over there on eBay miniature rescues for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm really trying to bring in that like I don't want to say visual storytelling, even though I'm pretty sure I use that terminology in the latest video. Um, but it's like I I'm trying to force myself to use the space that I have because I didn't have a space before. So it makes more sense and it makes me feel better for having, I don't know, put my wife through this and, you know, built an entire room and wall and extra thing in my house so that I could just paint miniatures, you know? So trying to utilize that and do the best I possibly can with the camera that I have. Yeah. You know, feels like it's justified a little bit more. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Uh, I think viewers of Paint Bravely, the podcast YouTube channel, are going to be have the opportunity to see our heads a little farther back from the cameras. Yes. So I, I'm going out not a limb here. I assume that your head is not currently taking up all of your frame because you're in a bigger room now. I mean, it shouldn't be. The, the camera okay, is okay. pretty far away from me right now. <laughs> Uh, instead of like a foot and a half from my head, right. because right. that's all over my head. You used to record in a in a closet, Casey, and yes. there was you couldn't get the camera very far away from your head. And so when we yeah. edited down these these podcast <laughs> videos, my camera is has always been at a reasonable yeah. distance from my head. But to make away. me match with you, the editing mm-hmm. has always zoomed in like three times on my head, and so we both have giant heads on, yeah. on the YouTube channel there. Pretty Which, much, you it's, know, maybe it's if you're watching good. on your phone, it's all right. But if you're watching on a PC or your laptop, it's it's a bit much. So. Yeah, I like to watch videos on my on my TV, you know, sitting on the couch, and yeah, it's our heads are pretty big on my <laughs> 65 inch TV. <laughs> so hopefully that will be remedied. You'll have to let us know down in the comments if you like this better. I mean, yeah. I have to imagine 
that it that it's and, just and episode more fifteen and sixteen are just going to get better and better. I know it. So yeah, yeah, I'm really happy yeah. with your uh, with your new space and looking forward to see what you do with it there, Casey. Yeah, I'm excited. It's pretty oh, rad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, much smaller things are new with me. I, I got some Dwarven Forge uh, terrain for the first time in the mail. All right. So this is much more of a big deal in like the D&D community, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tabletop role playing. This, uh, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Dwarven Knot, the mm-hmm. documentary the movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's pretty good. Yeah, so it's a documentary that used to be on Netflix, and now you have to pay actual money for it. But I watched it while it was on Netflix a few years back, and it's essentially a documentary about a Kickstarter campaign for a company that makes terrain for for D anD D, and you know, cool little story. And it's a it's a company that's been around for a long time and is mm-hmm. pretty well known in in those circles. And I think yeah, it's... I mean the the guy was like friends with a bunch of people who were like in on the development right with D&D or he played D&D with them a bunch I don't know something something crazy like that like I think, few people I think so yeah 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 and um I I actually hadn't touched this stuff before I think it's gone through a couple different materials but now they're on to like a PVC blend that's quite durable mm-hmm. and so I was interested just to to get it for the first time to, you know, see how durable it was. And that's something that is important for minis, but I think it's much more important for terrain because terrain's going to get a little more hard use out of it. And, uh, hey, this stuff seemed pretty good. So I am now in contact with the Dwarven Forge, and maybe I'll be painting some of that stuff up on the channel someday. I just got to decide what uh what scene you know do under dark do a Ooh. castle do yeah the wild something, something epic i mean you gotta fill like a table because mm. that stuff it, it's like it's pretty nice for small scenes but because it's so modular at least the stuff that i've personally gotten um it feels like in you have to really stack up a whole table to really get that full effect you know, to, to see everything put together like, you know, like a huge Lego set almost. Right. Yeah. So you got you got to go that route. Yeah, it's sure. set up as like squares, you know, a couple inches on each side. Or, or a lot of the stuff is, is in my understanding. I don't know. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. a deep, deep rabbit hole to get into, I think. Yeah. Well, they've been around for a while, like you said. Yeah. And I know they put out a lot of sets. And they're like full cities and dungeons and massive terrain pieces like entire six by four tables worth of modular terrain you know and they've they've been doing kickstarters for years right yeah and they they sell both pre-painted stuff and unpainted stuff and i'd be interested in doing the painting myself but even after that it's just nice to have a little bit more terrain around here for taking pictures and minis and stuff yeah yeah, just really adds a lot to be able to put them in a scene and and stuff. So actually, one of the things I've been painting for myself here recently is uh, uh, a terrain. Uh, sorry, terrain. It's a tavern set from Titanforge. Oh, yeah. Yep. Nice. And so you know, got the bartender and a couple of barflies sitting down at a table having a drink, and it's been the first time that I've ever painted food. 
So there's like a little, hmm. you know, a little table at the tavern and you've got your loaf of bread and your steak and your ham and your beer. And it's a nice change of pace just to just to paint, you know, some food. Some guys having a <laughs> a drink and some bar food and you, you get to thinking about interesting things like what color is bread? Well, you, a couple of different colors bread can be, but you, yeah, it depends you know, on the bread, right? <laughs> There's some colors and some things that we're really used to to painting, and you know, I'm thinking about it. I've painted so many swords and spears and stuff like that, but I've never painted a loaf of bread. I've painted maybe one mug of ale before. I've never <laughs> right. painted a, a steak, you know, a little ribeye. Right. <laughs> is it is it well done? Is it pink in the center? I've got to make these decisions now. But. That's that's that is interesting. Yeah, I can't say that I've ever painted food, right? Yeah, like in art class, that's probably the closest I've gotten, and that's you know still life food paintings. You know, teacher brings right. a sack of bananas and some oranges and throws them on the table. Yeah, yeah, right. that. <laughs> yeah, you know the characters in our games and in our settings, they probably don't fight every day. But they probably yeah. eat every day. Like we, we should be able to paint a loaf of bread and an apple. Yeah. They seem like good things to know how to paint for sure. Yeah, it's a nice change of pace either way. And then I'll once I get all that done, I'll have my my tavern setting and be able to take interesting pictures of having my adventurers wander into a tavern before they go back out to fight again, or you know whatever. So yeah, yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah, that's me taking taking a little bit of a break from from my heroes and stuff, and doing doing just you know some terrain, a little tavern, building up that collection. Oh, I guess I I have on my on my list here. Uh, there's there's the opportunity for a new life goal. So of the right, yes, of the connections that Dwarven Forge has, um, the actor Joe uh, Banganello is there apparently you nailed re- it did i okay good you, you got it yeah <laughs> uh for those listening at home joe Fanet joe casey phonetically wrote in joe manganello in in our notes here and as long as casey's not wrong and i don't know if he is or not we just nailed it um i am i'm pretty sure i'm right on that one mm-hmm. pretty sure 99 percent. right so anyway, this, is, this is this is a you know Pretty well-known actor who has been in, you know, True Blood. I think he was a werewolf or something. He's been in uh, Magic Mike and Magic Mike 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in lots of stuff, you know. My personal favorite was his awesome appearance in the new Pee Wee Herman movie on Netflix. It's fantastic. Well, I'll put it on my list. Well done. Yeah. Yes. But it, it's always fun to learn about a celebrity that's into our nerd stuff. And, you know, old Henry Cavill made, uh, made waves when he painted one head of a, what was it? <laughs> um, what's the word for the c- golden custodies. boys? Custodies. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Got it. <laughs> and, and guy from midwinter minis is going to try to get Henry, but I, or, yeah, maybe Do you think it's possible. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> and he asked very nicely, and he's got a shot at it. I think he's got a shot at it. But. I mean, if they literally live in the same, like, 50 miles square radius, right? Like, there's yeah. a shot. Yeah. 
got a shot. So, you know, Henry, we have that one picture of him painting a custodie's head. And, mm -hmm. but for, for Joe, you turn on the Dwarven Forge uh, stream on Twitch, and there's just Joe Manganello sitting there talking about his Dwarven Forge collection. And like this, right. this guy is really in it, spends a lot of time thinking about this stuff. Guy should have asked Joe. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, because he is definitely in it. And I, I think he's more of a face for it. Um, yeah. Like, he's been out there and he's been doing things. Um, I want to say he was on Will Wheaton's tabletop at one point, too. Right. Like, he's been around. Right. And, you know, right? Will... Like, I'm just, I'm just thinking of, like, what other celebrities are out there and, and which of them are most approachable but also yeah. into games like which which are the likely prospects will will wheaton is on that list of uh this is what he does is, is just dabbling right. all the nerd stuff right does that make it do you think easier to get him like if because you're talking about like a chance to maybe do some kind of a collaboration or meet with or something along those lines that kind of thing or is this like I, I'm, How many I'm thinking degrees like, away you know, maybe, are we maybe from someday we meet at uh, meet at a convention, you know? Okay, sure. And 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 maybe Joe's seen me paint Titan Forge, not Titan Forge, you know, Dwarven Forge. You know what I'm I, talking about? I would actually give that a pretty fair chance. See, that's what I'm thinking. That, you gotta yeah. you gotta be able to adjust your expectations. You know, shoot for attainable goals. But so I'll, so I'll set my goal at uh, if conventions exist again in the future. Someday, yeah. me and Joe were at the same connection, and we both recognize each other. What a what a dream! What a dream! Yeah, big high fives. Oh, high five! That's right. Absolutely, or something else. COVID friendly conventions. Will Who be knows doing. what the future holds? <laughs> right. Who knows what we'll be doing in twenty twenty three? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, for a while it was uh, Vin Diesel was the one who was known as like the D and D celebrity. Yeah, I don't know if that's still true or not, but you know, he went on a few talk shows and and talked a little bit about his level yeah. fourteen something or other. Well, I I thought he wrote like the preface for some D and D book that came out, like the New Player's Handbook or something. Oh, so yeah, I think he's still in it. Well, we of course, that could have been Joe Manganiello, Forge, and I'm you know? just totally mixing them up. I, I could be totally <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I don't know. They're both in it pretty hard, it seems. Um, Yeah, I mean, those are all the ones. Like, Henry Cavill's kind of, yeah, like, outskirts. Maybe he painted one custodie's head. We don't know the story. Right. We're, we're but not like, sure. Yeah, Manganiello and Vin Diesel and Will Wheaton are definitely people who you know have been in it, who have been talking about it for a while. Uh, I mean, Vin Diesel just did that, like, super sci-fi comic book movie that didn't do very well. Like, he's been doing that stuff for a while. It's like, if he's not doing, you know, bro action movies, he's like, I'm doing hardcore, like, fantasy right. stuff. Like, the the last witch hunter that did terribly, but was actually, like, could have been worse. What if I just spend the next six months painting uh, versions of Riddick? There you go. There you go. Like I get really good at painting lenses, and so I get his goggles yeah, done up yeah. real nice, and have him <laughs> on a dark planet, have him on a bright planet. You know, right? Maybe like a diorama where he's shaving his head with a piece of scrapnel. You know, 
Yeah, just a piece of busted, like, orc truck. <laughs> Hanging yeah. off of a spaceship. <laughs> all chained up, making threats against, like, five other people in the room. Yeah. They just go hard out on, like, the Riddick approach. Maybe... I mean, you could do a lot with that. Yeah. For sure. You And you could, you could like, disguise it, though. Like, uh, for a while, it could just be goblins with uh, goggles. You know, and then uh -huh. you move it up to orcs, like, like and then you start to getting into humans, and maybe because some of those Necromunda guys, you know, with like the face masks, and I'm sure some of them have goggles. Like you could do some fancy stuff and really just, and then be like, "This was Riddick the whole time," and then you know, show them back to back. This is evolution. Yes. What was the name of the bad guys in the second Riddick movie? Necromongers or something? It wasn't. <laughs> it was pretty close to Necromunda. Necro Necromon. I, you know, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. I don't even remember. Like, I, I remember one of the bad guys Not was important. somebody, like, I don't know, it was like Carl Urban or something, but it was somebody from, like, a Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah, Carl I Urban. I kind of remember that. And the, like, Dame Judy Dench was in there somewhere. Yep, she was in there. Yeah, she was a, yeah. an air elemental. Yeah. That, that's what I got. That's what I got left. Don't remember anything else. Yeah, it's always interesting, you know, what percentage of our brains filled up with third edition Warhammer 40k or right. Chronicles <laughs> of Riddick, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good to take inventory of what's still rattling around it up there sometimes. I mean, for some reason, it's it's actors who've been in things who've been in other things that I like. Mm -hmm. and, and that's as far as it stretches, usually. Like, if it's not a movie that I've watched repeatedly... Yeah, IMDb every movie. You can just fun fact. You can IMDb me. I'm on IMDb. Are you really? Yeah, <laughs> as a what composer and a cinematographer. <laughs> oh, congratulations! I've done some like indie movies and small BS things, you know, for uh -huh. fun. Uh huh. But technically, I'm on IMDb. That's incredible. I've, I, don't, um, I don't know if that means anything. Hey, that's better than me. I've I've been in one movie. I was an extra <laughs> in Space Cop uh, from Red Letter Media. Oh, boy. It's not a very good movie, but, uh, you know, I was in a project that the YouTube channel Red Letter Media did, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. not bad. <laughs> if, you, if you look real close at the final scene of, of Space Cop, the penultimate scene of Space Cop when... Yeah. Space Cop has saved the day, and he's getting the key to the city, and they're saying, hey, and we, I am saying, thank you, Space Cop. You know, the, the community, really? the crowd is is yelling, thank oh. you, Space Cop. And I'm going to have to go find this and then uh, exploit that somehow and put that on the, yeah. I don't know, well, they did the uh, internets. They did a call out for, for extras, and uh, my my folks happened to be in town on that day. And so I'm the only oh, person okay. that brought their parents with them to the, the casting call for extras. So it was right. just a bunch of, you know, 30 year old nerds who went to be in the red letter media movie. And then like yeah. this one nerd also brought their parents along. So it was pretty good. <laughs> That's not bad. I mean, Hey, yeah. like you got in a legit production. That's cool. Mm hmm. So you Real could be legit. on IMDb. As extra so. number 68. Yeah. You I'm never look looked, though, have you? Yeah. 
No, I guess I haven't. You check it out. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> All right, are we warmed up, Casey? I feel I feel warmed up. All right. All right. Well, let's get into it. We'll yes. we'll get to a we'll get to an actual hobby topic soon, but we got to do a a drama topic here. Yeah, cuz it seems like I don't know every three or four episodes that just seems to be our thing so in keeping with tradition on paint bravely we're going to talk about some uh some ak interactive so the other day was this two days ago as we're recording this was it literally yesterday i can't even i don't know it was it was the first of september okay so ak interactive is coming out with a new hobby book and they decided to do some like video premieres on YouTube for this hobby book. And they were like teaser trailers for what they were going to release later this month. Now they released the first one and it made a lot of people pretty upset. Why was that Casey? Well, unfortunately they thought it would be a good idea to take footage from like internment camps and death camps in World War II and use that footage to show how dark and grim their new book was. Have you ever seen footage of the Holocaust in a commercial before, Casey? In a legitimate commercial for... Yeah, no. No, nobody in their right mind would do that. Right. Um, Okay, so there's, there's some real dark stuff in this topic. Uh, yeah. I I want to do a preface here that obviously this is very dark stuff. Uh, and then the caveat to that is when a company screws up this badly, it can be kind of funny at the same time. Like the putting yeah. Holocaust footage in a commercial is deadly serious and offensive and terrible. And it's not one yeah. of those things where like, I feel like I should be offended by this. It's like I watched the footage and my guts churned and I was Yeah, like, like it's wide. a gut feeling, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, this this wasn't like uh I know that uh commercializing dead bodies is wrong. It was uh I watched this and like yeah, visceral feel this is terrible. Yeah, and it's it's not like they're just showing you old, you know, black and white footage of, of some stuff that could have been the thing. It's like, no, this is the kind of stuff that when you were in school, they sat you down with Holocaust survivors and they're like, we're going to tell you a story. And it's serious. And everybody is basically in shock because you can't understand why these things have occurred. You know, and, and we all know that this stuff happened, but then to use actual footage from those things... To place that in, and you know that they're real. What what you're right. we were actually watching in those ads was real footage. Right. Yeah. It feels real, bad on the inside. Yeah, real footage, um, human corpses, holes, bulldozers, yeah. ovens, like the real stuff. Um, and the they it turned out they were selling an art book. And that it was supposed to be a serious art book that dealt with serious topics. 
Um, right. And the idea is, you know, you can make models and paint models of serious things to tell a story, to evoke emotions, to... Uh, as an art piece. Yeah, as, as a serious piece mm-hmm. of art. Uh, yeah. But the way they did it, it you know, the way like they put those commercials together makes it than... so clear that they are not the people yeah. to be, you know, taking a, taking a run at this content. Um, right. So I mean, the... I, I understand that their, their products are used for a lot of that stuff because what they make is very good and it replicates, you know, the, the grim dark, right. As like very well. So I can see yeah. how they might think that like, I can, I can get the rabbit hole that they went down and then somehow lost their way and fell 50,000 feet further. I don't, I don't know where that went I, wrong, I, I think but I can see where they were there, Casey, but yeah, just, yeah. so, so for the people who aren't sure of what we're talking about, like just backing up here a second, the, the idea was that they were going to announce a book on September 3rd. And so the plan was 30-second teaser trailer September 1st, 30-second teaser trailer September 2nd, two-minute trailer uh, for the product Mm -hmm. that actually revealed what the product was on September 3rd. And so uh, what they did is they rolled out a Facebook post, which was horrible in its own way, and a 30-second teaser trailer on September 1st. And it was a teaser trailer that had the AK Interactive logo, which is very much like a gamer logo. It's a skull with an AK-47 superimposed on it. And like the like the flashing, you know, logo screen is very much like a extreme gamer kind of logo. Um, and then it cuts to horrific footage. Um, and there's, you know, some text on the screen, but it, you know, the the important text is coming September 3rd, like, like right. check back, um, yeah, come back tomorrow. Uh. And, uh, the comments on that video were, uh, people were f- <laughs> fairly unified in, uh, never having seen footage from a genocide used to market any kind of product. Um, yeah. You know, there were there were some people like, okay, I mean, you know, let's see what it is on September third. Maybe this will all make sense. Uh, there weren't a lot of those. Um, no, in the weren't. comments, there I, was. I think it's just people trying to be as hopeful as possible and like, oh, please don't let this be like devil's something. Advocate. Oh, it is a thing. Yeah. Uh, never say never. There's often an explanation for things. Uh, yeah. Give the benefit of the doubt. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was not okay. Like, uh, and yeah. a couple hours after the release of that first trailer, after a lot of, uh, appropriately negative feedback, they were like, okay, we need to release, uh, the next, <laughs> you know, couple of videos early. Yeah. So there was actually an employee of the company in the Facebook thread saying like, no, 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 it'll all make sense in context. Wait until you see what the product is. Um, and then they said something like Schindler's List dealt with serious topics, and this is kind of like that. Which, um, go watch the trailer for Schindler's List. It, 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 
there's a there's yeah. a way to deal with serious that, topics that tells in, you what yeah. what it is and asking you to come and sit down for a minute and learn something but in this format that we have now made that is oscar worthy right cool. not a 15 second let's just show you genocide videos and hope you buy our book yeah and and at this point it was not clear what the product was for it was just yeah no terrible just footage said, come back tomorrow terrible footage inappropriate font come back in a couple of days and yeah. so th so there was an employee in the in the facebook thread and i think it was you know on their private account but very clearly an employee of the company all the same saying mm -hmm. uh you know give it a chance this will make sense in context and um you know they weren't winning that argument but the company did on that same first day release the second trailer and the second trailer again right. 30 second trailer this time rwandan genocide which right. uh you know uh and and gamer be... logo inappropriate font uh spooky music and images of the rwandan genocide and like yeah. the context like okay it's I, I, that doesn't make it better <laughs> no and, and, and to be a little more clear because obviously this is audio format even if you're watching the, the youtube we're not certainly going to be putting that up for you to see nope. but we're talking about people legitimately getting like shot and killed like actual human beings in this video so it's not like we're just saying oh you know war video is terrible like we're talking about i didn't want to wake up this morning and watch somebody get thrown into a ditch legitimately yeah. that's what we're talking about yeah uh eventually all of these videos were taken down uh and so a lot of people have kind of heard about this controversy but have not seen the videos yeah. uh i i did actually record the videos like for reference because i was well aware that they would not be online very long okay. uh but I'm certainly not going to re-upload them because that does not belong anywhere on the internet. And right. that's, we're talking about how much it does not belong on the internet. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it, um, they released the second trailer, teaser trailer, and this is the one that was supposed to come out on September 2nd. They released it on September 1st as damage control, kind of doubling down, like, no, 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 it'll, it'll all make right. sense. We're, like Context, we're, we're showing context, all kinds like, of genocides, no. <laughs> not just dead Jewish people. Like, is it, it's like, uh, no, no, yeah. no, this, this isn't making it better. Like, uh, and, and then, you know, kind of an hour after that, they deleted both of the 30 second trailers and released their full two minute trailer, which, which is the one that actually said, okay, this is an art book. Um, <laughs> So it was, so that was yeah. two minutes of basically the same type of footage, more of the same type of footage, uh, different images, but equally awful and yeah. disturbing. And then they started to show this art book, which again, you can, you can use, uh, dioramas and miniature painting and sculpture to deal with real issues but you can't do it while using monster energy drink font uh right in my to be not, you know, not to tell it, you what kind of art you know. to like but um the they showed a couple of sample images from 
this book, which is still currently for sale, their ad, their ad campaign is now completely offline, but yeah. the book as of this recording is still for sale. And in the images from the book, you can see what appears to be a tutorial for making a model gas chamber, which, oh, that's not something I would ever tackle, but I mean, I'm, it, I mean like in a museum, yeah. you know, like there, there exists a context where that, you know, maybe, maybe, okay? Well, there are dioramas, and, and a lot of people have thrown that out there. Um, like what the, the one that comes to mind, I think it's called hell something or other it's in, it's in a museum and it is, you know, these kinds of camps and showing things like this, but it's in a museum. It's, it's showing you history in a different way, you know? Um, I mean, there, there are lots of dioramas in museums all over the world because that's what people could do to get this across and, and to show what this is like Schindler's list is an art piece as much as it's just a movie, right? right? Like you are showing something and telling a story so that people understand what it is that they're looking at, not glorifying and profiting off of it because of the content. Like yeah. no average person in, in the modeling world is going to go pick up that book and be like, oh man, this looks so badass. Yeah. I'm building this gas chamber. Like, this is a problem with a lot of marketing in general from people who think that it's like, well, I'm just not going to bother. Like, we know our audience, right? You know, and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of people in this hobby that like metal music and, you know, we like painting demons. But it's like, that doesn't mean that you now advertise gas chambers in the same way that I want to build a great unclean one, you know? Yeah, it's... I I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack here, and there's there's a lot of, you know, fine lines and, and in the right context and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but there's but there are some fine lines that have been crossed by such a wide margin that the 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 i mean the advertising campaign was so far out of bounds it's ridiculous and then just looking at that page like okay tutorial for how to build your own gas chamber and in you know in the written descriptions they have this is the ak interactive paint uh, that you need to be used, or, you know, this is the color of AK Interactive with its, you know, product label that to use to, to paint the gas manifold. Um, but I, to me, the really clear indication that these people did not have the awareness or the maturity to be dealing with topics like this was, I, I mean, as simple as it is, the font on that page. Font choice is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, Tone of voice says a lot, and right. font says a lot. And the font that they used for headings on that page was, I mean, it seriously looks like the font from Monster Energy Drink. And yeah. and, and again, like this, <laughs> I, I apologize for putting any humor at all in this. It's, it's also, I think, the font that both Miniac and Black Magic Craft use for their, like, you know, really? metal uh, logos. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh sorry scott sorry jeremy like i i <laughs> I, I know you're not happy with this either but um but yeah the yeah, it's one of those fonts though but yeah it's that font has its uses and nowhere on that list of potential uses are dealing with you know genocide yeah. um if yeah if you're if i don't know so so the the product itself seems to be problematic um the the advertising was obviously ill-conceived i mean just i mean i mean it blows my mind trying to think of how wrong it is just the question of is it a good idea to use images from the holocaust in a commercial or or you know there might actually dead just bodies be straight up laws any, about that yeah i mean like it's it, it is so far out of bounds it's it, ridiculous but anyway yeah and um and then we get into just kind of how they handled it so they're initial response was to double down there was the right you know blowback against the first teaser trailer so their initial response was real quick let's get the second teaser and the full trailer out um two days early just to so people see what it's a, it's an art book You're like there's no big deal here um and that didn't really help the situation there were there were like a couple of people no, in the comments section <laughs> like okay okay you know it's an art book all, all right they're they see what they're trying to do here. They're, but, you know, for the most part, it's such a lack of awareness of why this is not cool means that they're yeah. probably not the people to be putting out a uh, culturally important, you know, piece of work like this. Or, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's it's not that they it's not that they couldn't have. It's just that there is a certain way to do that. And, and, you know, fonts, color choice, layout, like just design in general plays a big factor into that. You know, it's like you, you watch, I don't know, any war movie in the last 20, 30 years. And it's like, you know, black screen, little tiny thin white writing of like this horrific thing happened. And we're, we're going to show you that so that you understand it's not meant to be like, blah, look at this gas chamber. What? Yeah. And then the tagline, are you ready? Image yeah. picture, picture of <sighs> ovens, September 3rd. Are you ready? Oh, what? like, <laughs> um, yeah. And, and the, the other thing, uh, another detail I picked up on the preview page with the, you know, how to build your own gas chamber had uh, barbed wire, uh, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but kind of like borders for, you know, in between images and in between oh, yeah. text. They're just barbed wire running across the page. And it seemed like that was the same image that was used in the trailer videos. Yeah, they had it separating video right. elements and, and stuff kind of like right. floating around. Yeah, And, you know, I, barbed wire is fine, but but the kind of that connective feature tells me that the same people who put the trailers together put the book together and oh, for sure. the people this is who... a campaign that was put together over months months maybe right. even the last year year and a half like they thought this through and they got in so deep and in their own heads that they literally did not see what was in front of them 
and how that would come across. They thought what they had was good, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, three separate videos connected stylistically to the product that they're selling. And again, you, you think about it, we, we both make videos. They had to go out searching for that, um, you know, historical footage or stock footage or whatever you want to call it. They had to go I, looking I for that footage, um, find a source for it, download it, put it onto, you know, a video timeline, uh, chop it up, do some transitions that, you know, throw some yeah. background sound on top of it. Uh, yeah, nowhere during that point in time when you're looking for the proper sound effect for when a body is shot or falls into a hole, did anyone stop and think maybe we're taking this too far? And, and I, I mean, looking for lessons here, you know, we've all had jobs where, you know, someone did something maybe not cool. Uh, somebody's working on a project that you have questions about. Uh, let this serve as a reminder. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you may have the ability to stop uh, a mistake from being made. And there are times yeah. when you should speak out. If, well, and, and for yeah. all we know, there were people that, that did. And right. some of the, the other people were just like, no, this is what we're going with. I mean, we don't know the full story. I don't right. think we'll we, ever we don't. technically and know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, so we do want to put that possibility that uh, I, I assume that there were people working at AK Interactive who thought this was a bad idea. And those I would, people... I would think so. Yeah. Probably should have spoken yeah. out a little bit louder. Um, yeah. But maybe maybe they did their best. I don't know. Well, and and... I suppose to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I, I don't think anybody at this company thinks that any of this stuff is like, I don't think that they condone what happened. I don't think that they're no, no, in support no. of this or they're trying to necessarily glorify it. I think they made a multitude of very bad decisions and more specifically design decisions and how they represented this where you know, traditionally it is on a completely different plane, like design wise, how it looks, how it's, how it's supposed to come across when people are talking about it, you know, in a serious manner. And I think that they just got in over their heads and just went with it, yeah. regardless of what anybody in their own company or otherwise told them. Yeah. The, I mean, we didn't mention this. The name of the book is Condemnation. They, you know, the, in the text, it, that you know the marketing text they're saying that it's showing human atrocities to learn from them to make the world a better place uh um, right to you know human rights there it, it is clear that their intention was to make a culturally yeah. important art book for all the right reasons and they could um, have done that but like you said casey it seems like they probably got in their own head thought yeah did some brainstorming came up with some ideas that uh they didn't question closely enough right and uh <laughs> they ended up making commercials with footage from the holocaust in them um yeah so yeah obviously a big mistake and then it just got into the uh, kind of dance of a corporation that's made a mistake and then what do they do right. to address yeah. the mistake so and and this is where I, I'm I'm going to allow myself to get a, like a little bit of humor in there when I 
I find amusement when a corporation makes a mistake. Putting footage of the Holocaust in a commercial is... That's that is a terrible thing, it's... but it is also such a bad mistake to make that... Yeah. Wow. And that... So, okay. So, <laughs> double down on it by releasing their whole ad campaign early in the hope that context will fix it. It did not. Um, no, it did not. So, they deleted their ad campaign and went to apology mode. So, day one was their mm -hmm. ad campaign and deleting their ad campaign... Day two was uh, apology on Facebook, and then you know that was the yeah. kind of the best place for people to leave comments about the whole situation. So that you know that post on Facebook filled up real fast with uh, people's thoughts. Um, well, and 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 only because the apology that they made the first time, which got deleted, uh, wasn't a very heartfelt attempt. At an apology they were just like we're sorry you were offended yeah there's there's tropes in the you know commercial apology non-apology sure of we're sorry if anyone was offended we didn't you know we didn't mean to offend you if you were offended we're sorry right which it, it, <laughs> and it wasn't exactly that but it was it had a lot of that language in there and yeah. and it was also a fairly lengthy apology because it included um this is what we were trying to do and kind of like just which right, which can be read as like trying to justify you know what they did yeah um so day two was posting an apology and then uh backlash to the apology and deleting the apology um yeah. so day three was they now no longer, they're still selling the book. The book is still in pre-order or whatever in the store. There's no ad campaign online. There's no apology online. Um, and I'll tell you on, on day three, uh, <laughs> then, then they also started posting back their normal pictures of like painted tanks on their social media. So yeah. day, um, and so I'll tell you, I was starting to write a script on that day um, you know, in case <laughs> I needed to, you know, be the, the avatar of the Streisand effect of like this. No, this isn't going away that quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, you know, they're posting well-painted, uh, presumably World War II tanks on their, on their media pages and, you know, a cool yeah. tank, but then they're deleting all of the comments left under the picture of the tank, you know? Um, right. And then. Because people are obviously still talking about it. Yeah, they're doing yes. whatever they, they could to kind of sweep it under the rug. And I don't know. I, I Honestly, I don't even know what they could do. Well, I, I had kind of assumed that they had deleted their first apology while someone researched how to write an appropriate apology. And, I mean, yeah. you Google how to write an apology or what are the elements of an apology and you get a lot of results and you know some of them say like three phases of an apology or six phases but uh you know it's all first you have to really understand why and how what you did was wrong uh and then like show that you really understand that it is not okay to use footage from an actual human 
who has died in a terrible way, uh, has had their you know corpse mutilated, why it is wrong to use that footage to sell a product. Like, right. like um, part of an apology is demonstrating that you understand how you messed up, showing real and actual remorse, um, you know, showing how that you are going to uh, redress the situation, try to make it up to, you know, those that you've uh, offended and, and um, you know, promising that this will never happen again. Like there, an apology is a, uh, a standard thing in, in human existence and there are good apologies and bad apologies and it's very well understood at this point what a good apology is or what an appropriate apology is. And um, so I assume they mm -hmm. deleted their first apology while they were, you know, typing out their second apology. And so yeah. when the next post on their site was a model tank, uh <laughs> it's a little awkward yeah yeah and i thought that they were you know just um going into sweep it under the rug mode yeah. um more know, than likely it was a scheduled post by whoever runs their social media yeah yeah uh, but it did take them a good 24 or 36 hours after they deleted their first apology to get their second apology up yeah that's true it, it took but, a minute yeah. I mean it was it was more uh well formed and they also did it in Spanish. So they uh, cuz this this company is in Spain. So English is not their first language and I I I don't know this it feels so familiar. Like the whole green stuff world thing is like it's it's yeah. like the same situation, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, let's uh let's back up there. Um, Green Stuff World did a copyright strike against a YouTuber who did not deserve it uh, around like December 31st of last year. Uh, yeah. They did not put images of the Holocaust in a commercial. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm they not they screwed up in a different it's, it's way. A but yes, the, uh, the dance like apology, of a corporation re realizing <laughs> yes. that they made a big mistake, trying to figure out what to do about their big mistake. Do we, do we bury it or do we you know, face it head on and apologize like that. Right. Cause they went both directions yeah. and AK has kind of done the same thing. It's like, well, we're going to take this route. Uh, okay. Yeah. Now we're going to take this route. And it just, it feels very similar to that, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a classic dance. Um, there's only a couple of moves that a corporation can do. Uh, in this case, it was a little interesting to see them try all of the moves. Uh, yeah. first move, double down the second move, apologize delete apology, sweep under the rug by posting tanks and deleting all the comments of all of their other posts, you know. Um, mm. And then finally going with a... It, their second apology was short, but it did include most of the basic elements. Um, yeah. There's, you know, the book itself is still for sale. It, <laughs> I would say that the... The font is still pretty problematic. You know, I, we've only seen a couple well, of sample point, pages from the book. They're not going to be able to... They can't go back. Um, I mean, AKA Interactive is not a huge company. Yeah. They were banking on this, which I don't know, really bothers me on a whole other level. Because when it comes to the community that we're in... Like, obviously we don't really do scale modeling. We don't do historical modeling. We don't even play bolt action. Well, right? not yet. I mean, never, you know, never say never. No, we're, we're getting right, there. But my point Learn is that the, 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 the 
slice of pie that the the kind of person is that is going to make something like a historical recreation of a Nazi death camp and be completely serious about it, take it very seriously while they're building it, understand what it is and present it in a way that is respectful. That that slice of pie is so small that I do not understand why a company like AK Interactive would invest the money into making a product that is probably meant for 0.1% of their actual audience. It just seems like a bad call overall. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that argument. Um, I I don't know. I actually don't know, you know, how often. I think they've put out other art books before. I assume this is the most controversial one. Um, you know, they, they have a wide product range, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't know, you know, how many eggs they were putting into this particular basket. Probably but, not that many. Um, in, in terms of risk reward, doing something this controversial, uh, it's a, it's a high risk right. for probably not a re- lot of reward, but yeah. And I mean, I don't even think they thought it was like, they and just that, didn't see that what may was be right the problem. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't yeah. think they're going to do this again. You know, I think they've learned some lessons from this. I would hope they have. Yeah, I, and, I would imagine. So. And that's you know that's kind of one of the reasons why um, I didn't want it to be entirely swept under the rug, is because sure. uh, I do <laughs> want them to really have to wrestle with the consequences of this to really understand why this is wrong. But then in in you know AK Interactive dealing with this and making amends and learning. I would like, um, you know, other companies to notice this and maybe, uh, you know, get some lessons out of that as well. Um, and again, like I said, for anyone working at any company, if you see someone doing something in really bad taste, borderline illegal, uh, <laughs> you know, speak up. Like if you see something uh not cool not safe not legal speak yeah, up. I, I haven't looked into that i i have to imagine that this is like there has to be some legality here you know what i mean yeah i, I mean it's it's a situation like those those videos were so wrong i can't well, where like, like, like I can't even like, like make that. a metaphor for how wrong it is. It's like, like going to an actual funeral and setting up your camera and filming a Geico commercial with a real funeral in the background yeah. and doing that a hundred times. Like I, I can't even like come up with a, yeah. a metaphor for how distasteful <laughs> this is. Like it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so that, anyway. that happened. Um, like I said, I was, when, when they deleted their apology and started posting tanks again, I, I, you know, spent a couple hours that day, like writing a Goobertown hobby script, like, you know, like, no, no, this isn't, I don't want to spend all my videos doing stuff like that. But on the other hand, I don't want this to be swept (laughs) under the rug either. You know, the the title of the video was going to be like AK Interactive still owes us an apology. 
because they deleted their attempt at an apology. But right, they, they did eventually put a second one up. It was yeah, yeah. It was like thirty six hours after they deleted the first one, so it, there it was a while. There was a yeah. serious question about whether that was coming or not. But um, yeah. Anyway, so so that happened, and you know there are little drama flare ups like this from you know companies in our space making mistakes, and um, and that happens. Yeah, I don't know, a couple times a year, but this one, so, this one was particularly bad. Like in terms yeah, of sure. mistakes, if the word genocide or Holocaust are involved in the mistake that your company made, like that's <laughs> that's probably going on the list for uh, yeah. top blunders of twenty twenty. But it's interesting. I've I've been talking about this with my wife, uh, even since you know that green stuff one, right? Yeah. Um. Now, what she does for a living is essentially coach businesses through all of the the things that they need to do to run properly. Like she she'll work with a company, um, and give them all these different tools and procedures and everything that they need to be successful, to make money, to run a company with good culture, all of these things, right? You know, and she kind of does it through this branding and marketing lens. And she's done that for the last 12 years. So the way that she was explaining it to me as we were having a conversation about this was, you know, our space is a niche on its own. There are a lot of companies that we deal with that we find to be, you know, exceptionally large, that we think are exceptionally large. You look at Vallejo Paints, right? You look at AK Interactive, um all these different ranges, you know, pro acryl, big thing right now, monument hobbies. Like how many people work at, at each one of these companies, 15, 20 people, or in monuments case, like five, I think, you know, there, we're not talking about massive corporations. Like GW is the biggest company in this space and they're still not making that much money compared to a lot of other businesses around the world. So what it really comes down to is that we're we're seeing this drama and these mistakes and these issues come up because people don't actually know better most of the time. They don't have the right kind of people telling them, hey, like you need to try and do these things and follow these procedures so that you can reach customers, you can reach people and get your message actually heard. You know, most of them don't even know how to talk about their own business. You know, it's whatever they paid someone to do to make for their website or whatever they did on their own, because again, it's a small company and they could have done most everything in house. So it's just kind of interesting to see that, that we look at some of this stuff and it seems so big, you know, and, and I'm not discounting what AK did or anything as being like a small thing, but on the level of like blunders, right? Corporate blunders. We're talking about essentially small businesses, you know, maybe a midsize company with up to 50 employees. We're not talking yeah. a lot of people and a lot of business, and a lot of money. You know, we are, we are still a very niche hobby. And so these things tend to, uh, become magnified, you know, when we look at them, um, yeah, I just thought that was, that was interesting from, from her perspective. 
Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Like when a when a company big or small makes a mistake, you know, a lot of times it is a single person though. So I'm thinking of that's that's kind of what I mean. Yeah, so it's like of, one person made a decision, yeah. and the entire company, whether it's huge or small, whatever it is, is having to now deal with this thing, and they don't even know how. Yeah, was it? I can't remember if it was Delta or American Airlines or what, but you know, maybe a year All or two ago, uh, an airline customer they overbooked and they had to drag a customer off the plane. That was Delta, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they overbooked and they had to drag a customer off the plane because they had sold too many tickets for that flight and they were unable to bribe someone to get off the plane. And so yeah. they they dragged a customer off the plane, but you know, during physically removing a paying customer from their flight, uh, like he, you know, got a bloody bloody lip or something. And so um again that there there's a big company where a couple of employees uh gave the CEO a really bad couple of days. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, with with the AK Interactive thing, it, you know, again, you can kind of see the size of the company based on the fact that I think that barbed wire in the book and the barbed wire in the video promotion kind of tells mm. you, you know, how small the team is working on that. Right, that's a good example, yeah. yeah. Um and again, with a especially with a small team though, even if it was a, you know, a bigger project for the company, Still, just mm -hmm. a just a couple of people, a small echo chamber, saying like, "No, this is gonna, this is a good idea." Yeah, this is yeah. a good idea. Yeah, no, this is, this is gonna be okay. Um, yeah, and they said that over and over as they worked on it. Yeah. Until they released it, and literally did not see any of this coming, and didn't know how to handle it yeah. at all. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So <laughs> my emotions on it are are mixed. You know, I I believe that there's always a road to forgiveness. I believe that people make mistakes. Um, everybody makes mistakes. I can sort of see how this mistake got made by you know a couple of people like trying <laughs> to do something good, having yeah. a bad plan, but talking themselves into it. Um, somebody had to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I. My, my thoughts on this are, I hope the, I hope most of the hobby community does hear about this incident, incident, um, but I do mm -hmm. hope that, uh, you know, AK Interactive are able to, to make amends and, and move past it, but, um. Yeah, well, yeah. and I mean, I know a lot of people are just like, uh, I'm just gonna, you know, throw away all my AK stuff, like, I, I don't think yeah. that's necessary. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, I'd. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I would necessarily in, uh, include them in a video or whatever because they've shown that they are capable of making some very bad decisions and and possibly being uh you know bringing bad publicity down on things like sure if i were if i were making a sitcom i don't know if i'd hire you know roseanne barr and charlie sheen <laughs> at this point you know because they uh they're right. a liability but yeah uh, yeah i mean it the it's tough though because like human error is, is something that we all have to deal with. And in this case, it was real bad, hmm. really bad. But I don't think that any of them are not like in love with the hobby that we do. I think they just fucked up so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I'm, 
I don't think I've ever, I, I don't think I own any AK interactive products anyway. So, I mean, I'm not one to be I like, I'm boycotting them, but uh, I think I have a, I have quite a bit of their stuff. Do you? Okay. I, I, yeah. Like I use it all the time. Cool. Yeah. So it's like, now what? <laughs> yeah. I, I think I have a few ammo MIG stuff, which is, used I, to I'm be pretty related, sure they do or, MIG, right? I don't, I don't know. I want to say they do. Or it's just the branding is so similar, I can't tell the difference. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think you need to throw all that stuff out, Casey. Like that's that's fine. no. And and I'm I'm not I'm not planning on it. Like, <laughs> I'm definitely I lean toward the side of forgiveness more often than not. And while I do think that this was a stupid ass thing to do, and they should have to sit in the corner and think about it. There you go. Yep. Like, yep. that doesn't mean they can't come back out and play. <laughs> but you need to sit in that corner. Yeah, and Think plus, you know, you maybe that streaking grime, you know? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to throw out your streaking grime. No, I'm, crazy. I'm not. Yeah. Like, if anything, I'll relabel it. I'll call it something else. <laughs> buy, buy out that streaking grime before they go out of business and change their name. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, oh, man. Okay, I think we I think we're good on the Holocaust yeah. commercial there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to bring it down, everybody. I think I think it's just you know, it's not I think our we fault. Both felt it was uh, important to at least mention because these things tend to happen, and it takes a lot of people off guard, you know. Um, and and it felt like we should definitely just have a, a discussion on it and kind of just talk it over. You know, if you hadn't heard about it or seen it, I know a lot of people didn't see the videos. They didn't even know what was going on. And that was a lot of the Facebook stuff that I saw after at least the, the first, you know, four or five hours that they had that, that other apology up was people are just like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. 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 And, you know? and you know, they did take the videos off pretty quickly. And I mean, at this point, there's a lot of people who were like, you know, I didn't see the videos, but they couldn't have been that bad. Um, just right. rest assured that the videos were, absolutely worse than you are imagining right now um yeah yeah the the videos really were that bad um and yet there's always a road to forgiveness so yeah yeah so casey you been working on any conversions or <laughs> you know it's funny i've been thinking about how are we gonna transition out of this <laughs> Yeah, like, put some streaking grime on those orc buggies like um i mean i was planning on it <laughs> you look yeah. when you do it in the video just like put your thumb over the logo of your uh uh generic oil wash <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah i'll if anything i'll do something funny and like make the bottle something else like i've got gaff tape all over the place back here i can i can do something and then you know Whatever. But I mean, I, I use streaking grime all the time because it, it, it covers everything and it's removable and it, you know, oil enamels, like it's just a thing. Um, yeah, but I, I have been thinking like, how are we supposed to transition out of this yeah. section and, and become more lighthearted and talk about fun conversions? Yeah. So a couple, a couple of days ago, Casey and I had a little chat and like, oh, what should episode 14 be about? Yeah, oh, we can talk about conversions for a while, yeah. you know, and we, we were thinking about, you know, all the aspects of conversions to talk about. And then, yeah, uh, AK Inter Interactive went and uh, gave us something else to talk about. But 
Mm-hmm. We're here now. Conversions. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we can put a timestamp in on this section just to. Nah. Anyways, conversions. Yes, that's a thing that we can do in this hobby. If you have never done a conversion before, it's pretty much where you cut up models or you use bits from other kits. You smash them all together, put glue on it and paint, and it becomes a new model. Uh, It's something I've been discovering a lot more lately, Um, really getting into it. Like I started doing some of those, uh, like I did Blight Kings from Age of Sigmar, turned those into Death Guard Marines, putrid, whatever they're called. I don't know. I don't play 40k. Um but yeah, like that, it was really kind of eye-opening and fun, and like I'd never really done anything like that before. You know, like uh, back in the day, I did, you know, little what you maybe can consider a conversion of like a head swap or, you know, adding a weapon to something. Um, I'm gonna send a picture to Matt so he can put it up on the video feed. But I, the first major conversion I ever did was in 1999 I did a matrix conversion with an Eldar guardian and I think you've actually seen this before Brent but I'm gonna throw this up on the screen thank you Matt um, so I turned him upside down cut his fingers apart that was gripping a gun mm-hmm. I cut the fingers apart kind of splayed his hand out and had him flipping upside down you know with his legs flipped up in the air and he's like shooting a gun right uh, so very reminiscent of Neo in the Matrix, and I thought I was so awesome back in the day. It looks like crap. (laughs) But I did try, and that was the first time I ever committed to cutting a model up. And I mean, I was was not very old. Um, Yeah, because that was definitely 21 years ago at this point. And... Yeah, I cut right. that model and, up. And uh, I did the not Matrix have very much Two money. come out yet, or that we're talking about the Matrix? No, this is 1999. Yeah, like the Matrix yeah. had just come out. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it kind of dates me a little bit there. Well, I bet if you did it yeah. again today, you could make that sweet jumping Neo Guardian with a bullet time. You think about rad. it. You think about it. But no, you you actually have been doing some pretty cool stuff. So the putrid blight collars, is that what they were? The blight kings, yes. Okay, yeah, cool. Mm. And uh, you did a, a great unclean one? Yeah, which... When is this podcast coming out? I think I think it came out yesterday. That, that particular video that you're talking about came out yesterday, if you're listening to this podcast when it comes out. Look, don't worry about this, Casey. They're they're gonna check out your uh, great unclean one whenever it comes out. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> no, for for real though, that's uh that's one of the best projects I've seen you do. It's one of the best videos you've made because you used your whole studio and you had lots of sweet shots right. of you opening up your toolbox and stuff. And for those listening at home, it's way cooler than maybe it sounds. But like Casey's opening <laughs> up his toolbox, he's getting out his tools, he's doing some 3D prints, he's got some sweet tunes on in the background, and then, um, yeah, so so this conversion that we're talking about, you had leftover bits from a Great Unclean One kit, right? Yeah, so the kit comes with, like, two separate heads for your Great Unclean One and two separate weapon options for each hand. Oh, that looks painful. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so... 
uh, and I, I should correct myself anyways, you, you come, it, the kit comes with three separate full options. So there's, uh, two separate ones for the great unclean one, you know, two heads, two arms or four arms, whatever. I'm getting math wrong today, whatever. And then you get a Rodigus, which is like the great unclean one sorcerer, right? He's got all the magic and stuff. Okay. So you have the ability to make these two options and I made the standard great unclean one, big sword flails, all this stuff. Um, and actually one of the first videos on my channel was, uh, how to make a great unclean one for like 40 bucks by going on eBay and just buying the body mm -hmm. that comes in the kit. Cause you, you could do that when those kits came out, you know, people part out the kits and stuff. Um, you could do that. So I built another one for like 40 bucks, just bought the, the body and took the extra parts of the, in the kit and you put them on and they fit. So you have a whole other great unclean one for half the price, whatever. Yep. Uh, in this case, I didn't, I couldn't find a body, but I still had the extra heads and arms. This so is, this is one of my favorite, like, uh, types of conversions. The use yeah. the extra bits in a, in a GW box to try to make a whole new model. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so Great Unclean One is like a giant, fat, disgusting toad man thing. Yeah. The greater demon is basically a giant blob with horns. Yeah. That is bursting, yeah. literally, his skin is bursting, and like maggots and crap are coming out of him, and it's fantastic. So a really cool model. Right. And so... You know, it's it's pretty common with Games Workshop kits, at least, where you'll have a lot of extra, you'll have some extra head options, you'll have some extra weapon options, maybe a few, you know, fun, you know, bits of flair in there. But then it, maybe there's some sort of limiting reagent, and a lot of times it's legs and torsos. Mm -hmm. Not always, yeah. but a lot of times. And so, you know, we all have a bits box and a lot of our bits box are extra heads and extra weapon options and uh, like purity seals or, or you know, skulls or whatever the extra stuff is on the sprue that we don't use. And so I really love this type of conversion of I'm not getting one great unclean one out of this box. I'm getting two or yeah. and in this case, three <laughs> incredible, incredible. Um, yeah. And so you, I, I didn't realize that this bits were, were all from your first box. I, I actually yeah. didn't make that connection. That's awesome. I may have been able to be more clear about that. Oh, so yeah. We're good. We're good. We got there. <laughs> so yeah, from, from the video, I saw you, you just printed a new body and then yes. used the, you know, the, the head and the arms and then a little bit of green stuff. And once you got it painted up, like it looked good. Yeah, I was actually, so I, I did a community post like a week ago saying, hey, I've got this awesome project. Regardless of how it turns out, I'm still making a video, but I, I don't have high hopes for this, you know? And people are like, no, you got this. And it's like, I didn't tell them what it was. Um, I, I didn't even know if the print was going to come out. Um, and it's it was still a little funky. Like, it slipped off the plate about halfway through. So it was a little funky. But like none of the major details were messed up and it like it turned out pretty good. I was I was pretty happy with it. Was but... this 
a print that was specifically made for the purpose of using the extra bits in that kit or was no, it? No, no. So yeah. I went into like a mesh mixer and I cut the head off of the actual model. Oh. Um, yeah. So the, the model is, is, uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like Nefa, Nefa something or other, um, from, what is it? Duncan Luca. Okay. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, Trent from Miscast used one to make a great and clean one for his Nurgle army, but he used this like funky pox demon that's like super tall and did some cool stuff to it. More like a Gargant than a, a great and clean one, but still super, super rad. Um, but the dude does really good sculpts. Uh, he, I think he's got a Patreon and he's, but he's got a website and he just does sculpting and you can buy STL files. Um, yeah. So I used, I used one of his kits to do that. Um, but I, I did have to make those modifications and then, you know, the print kind of came out funky cause it just like took basically a planer and sliced the head off and was like, now there's a giant hole in the body. Hopefully it prints properly. You know, and there were some weird, like, holes and lines in the model, but, you know, no resin was leaking out or anything, so so I, I nailed that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw, like, supports running up the middle of the hollow uh, body. Yeah. It, it looked funky, but you you smoothed in some, some green stuff and connected all the bits, and... um. Something I, something I want to mention with this whole conversion talk is don't underestimate what a coat of primer can do. So oh, for real. Before you painted that up, you know, it was a, a chunk of resin, which, again, this is just a big fat blob. So the the part of that model you used was just a big fat blob. <laughs> it was like a belly. Pretty and I don't much. know if there were stumpy little legs There's under stumpy there. Stumpy little what, but... feet with yeah. like three toes on it or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you know, a couple of actual big GW bits and then some green stuff. And before that thing is painted, as with a lot of conversions, it looks stupid because you've got three, oh, at least three ridiculous. or more different materials on there. Yeah. It's, it's hard to see if they're actually blended well together or not. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it, it, as is often the case, it looks stupid. It looks bad. Yeah. But you put a coat of paint on there and all of a sudden, I mean, maybe, you know, some of the, the transitions or the blends or whatever, the materials, you can tell the problems, but a lot of them are going to look <laughs> way better than you think they will. Yeah. And that's usually the stage in which you can, you, you know, you do a second pass or something, you go back and you figure out, okay, well, you know, I missed this or this didn't quite work out. Um, I've seen a lot of guys too. Uh, they take a picture of the model in black and white, just on your phone. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like, oh, look at that. You know, you can't tell that they're different materials. Everything is the same color. Yep. So that that's an actually, that's an awesome way to tell before you actually lay down paint. Hmm. I didn't do that, of course. I just primed it oh, and hoped I know, for the best. I know. Yeah. <laughs> in theory, though. Yay. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. You could do that for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, getting that primer down, you see the mistakes, you can go back and, but it does unify it, right? Yeah. So I'll bring this up. The last time we did a collaboration between 
eBay miniature rescues and Goobertown hobbies was making uh, a speeder out of a deodorant bottle. Mm. Yes. And this is uh, another example of you can throw all kinds of different materials on there. And then once you do a coat of paint, all of a sudden it goes from just garbage to, okay, maybe, th- <laughs> maybe this has some potential. So um, on that project, I did orcs. And so I had a deodorant stick, and onto that I glued some GW bits, some 3D printed bits, um, some like just pieces of plastic from packaging is like weird uh, slapped on armor panels and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, There was some guitar wire, there was some, oh, what's the cross-stitching plastic grate? I don't know what it's called. Anyway, grandma great, granny great, and there was some (laughs) wire mesh stuff. Anyway, a lot of different materials on there. So many materials went in on that project for you. Yeah, all (laughs) held together with a lot of super glue. Right. And yeah, then spray paint that up. And all of a sudden, when it's all the same color, wow, that actually kind of looks like a model. Yeah. And, I don't know, uh, uh, assemble bravely? What's our catchphrase? Uh, Don't let the glue dry on your fingers? I don't know. Um, Uh, Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Definitely use activator. Well, yeah, it, it kind of just opens up all this creativity to realize that you can use so many different materials other than just GW plastic or, or you know, or white metal models. Yeah. You can use all kinds of stuff, and as long as it's not going to, like, rot on you over over time or you know, even... Pretty much, yeah. Even cardboard in the right situations could be a pretty good material for this stuff, but... Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, bringing up super glue again, you coat things in super glue. It's basically like coating it in resin. Like it will harden and be that way forever. So like cardboard, definitely. Mm-hmm. It will just harden, absorb all of the glue. Sure. So yeah, go for it. Yep. And that, uh, that orc, what, what, it, what was it technically? Was it just like a speeder? Yeah, it's supposed to be a speeder, but it turned into like a rocket pontoon boat with a, a big orc and a bunch of grots and Gretchen on it. Yeah, it was, that's one of that's one of my favorite projects over the last year. So yeah. that was a good one. I was yeah. gonna say that it turned yeah. out so good. Well, thank like, you. Like you just destroyed everyone else in that whole yeah. thing too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if the listeners know, but sometimes I'm really slow at making videos, and that was a situation mm. where we did a collaboration, and my video yeah. of the collaboration was like two weeks late, but uh, okay. pretty sweet Okay, I think, it's, I think it's time that I need to clarify something as well, um, because there's been this misconception that um, that I screwed up making that video. And, and with good reason. The video starts with me saying I screwed up, and Brent on my video saying uh you know we we are all done this was supposed to go out already buddy like uh what are you doing remembers Uh, this casey yeah yes it was my fault i I know (laughs) (laughs) no it's just i think it's 
it's it's one of those things where the videos go out people think it's funny and then your video goes out and now it becomes this like non-issue and it just forever forever from that time when your video goes out till the end of time i look like the jackass <laughs> right now now that all the videos are out now that it's like a year later you yeah. don't you don't look at the timestamps of when those videos got you posted yeah, there's there's a video of Casey like apologizing for taking too long to post the video, yeah, and that video was posted like a month before I posted mine. <laughs> I just I just felt the need to say that. But if you don't check those uh, timestamps, it looks like you know Brent put out a pretty sweet orc raider right on time, and apparently apparently mm-hmm. Casey was late in putting his together. Yeah, that's all right though. Um, I thought I was late, and. Uh... Cause we were talking about it. Right. And I did, I busted that thing out like on the weekend. Like I spent extra time to just do this thing. I was like, I don't know how I screwed this up so bad. <laughs> it's like out of my way to make this pretty fun video. Like I like the way it turned out. I'm not sad about it at all, but you know, I know I just thought it was funny. I know. And yours did kill. It was awesome. Like, I don't know why I didn't pick orcs. That's so dumb. <laughs> Always pick orcs. <laughs> Right, but yeah, that was that was a conversion, if you want. That was almost more of like a scratch build. We used yeah, we used some yeah. GW parts in there, but it was, you know, a big part of that build was a deodorant can, and then for me, you know, three D printed parts and you know just other stuff that, yeah, not official bits. So, um, I don't know if that's conversion or scratch build or if we need to differentiate there, but. That I was... mean, that's kind of why I really wanted to talk about converting is, is it's like, what types of conversions are there? Because you do have those ground up orc builds or scratch builds or whatever you want to call it, um, down to weapons and head swaps, right? Like I was mentioning earlier, is, is that, does that actually count? Yeah. Because even this great and clean one that I did is almost a scratch build sort of situation because the body is a majority of this model you know the head and the arms they're just bits yeah i was was thinking about it as i was watching that project like when when is it a conversion when is it still you know a a gw model when is it a scratch built and i was gonna say that the before watching your video, I was going to say that a good rule is the largest piece should be from, you know, whatever the official model is or right. from that company. Like, you get an orc truck. You know, I, I saw that video where you bought some used orcs, and there was that one nasty old Gorkamorka truck where yeah. there wasn't a whole lot left to it, but the the main frame, the chassis of the truck, mm-hmm. was a Gorkamorka GW truck. And you yeah, put all kinds of chassis. cool stuff on there, but but in that case, I'd say yeah, that's 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 a conversion or that's a you know a legit model. Like the biggest piece is nineteen ninety two pure heavy yeah. metal GW whatever yeah <laughs> whatever you want to call it yeah uh, yeah, and I'm still kind of on the fence with that one just because you know i i really like the way that turned out but i would prefer to have an actual gw orc sitting in the driver's seat rather than a 3d printed one and like the 3d printed one looks pretty good so i'm kind of up in the air on that one i'm not sure how to feel yet i mean 
I haven't gotten paint on that either, so I'm, I'm not sure how it'll compare. You know, might just be one of those things where it just stands out a mile away. But the chassis and, and the, yeah, that's it. That that is a hundred percent GW. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think for the driver, if you just did like a head swap, maybe that would oh, work. Good point. But anyway, just for your, for your big unclean head. one, yeah. you know, I was gonna say like, oh, you you three D printed the body, like that's uh that's a scratch build, that's a three D printed model, but. The body in that case is just yeah. a fat, disgusting blob. Like the the body in that case yeah. adds so little of the. Well, I mean, it is the character of the model, but there's there's not a lot of definition there. It's it's all right. flabs. Um, so it, in that case, you know, it it's a recognizable head sculpt from GW and recognizable arms, and so that might be the exception to the rule there. Yeah, maybe if it's if it is ultra recognizable, right? Like you're saying, because if you looked at this and I put it on, cause I mean, I would play this with my other great and clean ones, right? Like you can run the trice fold befoulment or whatever, where there's three great and clean ones and a crap load of demons uh, formation. It's like, yeah, exactly. Well, look at us. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, that's been a goal of mine for a while. Like I've wanted to have that and I just haven't been able to, to get, the third grid and clean one. Um, but I mean, sitting next to the other two, which I did picture right at the end of the video, like it's different, but it's definitely that model. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think that, mm, I don't know, maybe a majority of people might double take, you know, kind of look at it and be like, Oh, it's erotic. It's gonna be like, wait, what? <laughs> like, cause it's not, but it is. Yeah. I love that category of conversion of, you know, making the most out of a kit, you know, getting, uh, yeah. getting an extra model or two out of a, out of a set. I think that's awesome. They, you know, one of the examples I wanted to bring up was the lizard man or Seraphon start collecting box. Lizard so, man's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you, <laughs> lizard man's fine. Lizard man, Seraphon, all good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've seen this post, but there's a fairly famous post uh, on Lustria Online, the web forum for Lizardmans, that is, you know, how to make the most out of your Seraphon start collecting box. And if you Google that, you'll find it. But it's mm. it's somebody who kind of looked at all the bits in the box and thought about how to use them to get the most, you know, characters and points and monsters out of it. So. Yeah, it's a it's a box yeah. that has the Carnosaur kit, which can also be a troglodon or something. And so, you know, right. kind of so like the great unplanned one, there's yeah, yeah. There's a lot of extra bits there to change it. And so, you know, it could have a uh you know, Sora Scar veteran riding it, or it have could have a, you know, skink chieftain. And so any of those kits where there are like two different riders to a to a big cavalry unit. Like yeah. there's, there's, you know, oftentimes where you can use that, you know, other variant of the rider or whatever to make something, but it's just an example where there's a lot of ways to cut that up to make normal troops into characters. And mm. actually the coolest thing in that article is they took all the extra bits from that big monster, from the, you know, alternate sculpt of that big monster and they put it onto a, a like an aqueous resin water base 
so that the big fin was sticking mm-hmm. out of the water and the head was sticking out of the water and the tail was sticking out of the water. They did just oh, a little okay. bit of green stuff work. And all of a sudden, you know, the GW wasn't going to give you the extra belly and legs and tiny little forelimbs. Right. But yeah. you got that, you got the head, you got the tail spine, and <laughs> that's poking out of the water. You got the extra uh, skink riding it. And so it looks yeah. like this. And so he's on top of the thing. Yeah, it, it looks, looks like this legit. big dinosaur is coming out of the water. <sighs> Ooh, um, that's that's good stuff. Yeah, but you know, with with almost any kit, there's there's ways to make like a normal troop into into a character, a hero, a veteran, you know, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, look that look that up if you want to see some really inspiring stuff. Uh, how to make the most out of your Seraphon start collecting box. That's a really interesting take on on looking at that too, um, you know, kind of how to game your box, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you represent them? Like, how many points do you actually get in a box? That's that's very interesting. Um, You're gonna start yeah, making that video me, now, aren't you? I, I like, I totally want to. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna can like, this whole podcast so you have time to make that YouTube video before, <laughs> like. Uh just buy one of every start collecting box and see literally how much I can make out of everything. Just be like, look, I got 40 more pox walkers out of this box. Okay. Plague <laughs> bears, box walker, whatever. Like there's 2000 points in this start collecting box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just uh, be a hand poking out of some sand with a sword, you know, counts. <laughs> right. You know, that, uh, that giant box comes with Johan running around if we just yeah. find a way to put like a couple axes in Johan's hands, like that's a, mm-hmm. it's a free warlord right there. It's a barbarian. Yeah, good point, right? Yeah. It's the new Slambo. <laughs> exactly. Johan Slambo. <laughs> Get him uh, a couple of double edged war axes and yeah. send him got, running off into extra the enemy ones of those as fast as he can. From, yeah. from some like uh, dwarf kits or something. Like, I know I got some. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm, um, interesting. <laughs> See another another example again of like kind of lazy conversions to game the system, which is which is always right. funny to me. I mean, you're buying this expensive box of plastic, but then you're like, "Haha, I, I got one <laughs> over on up. you by getting an extra <laughs> Saurus Scar Veteran out of the box." You know, it's so interesting to think about that. Like, the, we're totally cool with cutting up. Like, I mean, I wouldn't pull out a five dollar bill and set it on fire right now, but like. I'll cut a bunch of bits up out of a box that I'm not going to use for anything else on those models. Like, yeah, that was probably $20 in plastic. You just cut up. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> right. You get an extra Sora scar veteran out of that box. It was worth it. You know? Yeah. But now see, now I just want to buy that box to see if I can do that. I just picked up some like water effects stuff and like I've been meaning to use it. So yeah, I got, I want to try that. Blast! I know I have one. I was hoping it was one of the boxes oh, right behind me here. I remember nice... in your uh, oh, what was it? Your flexing video? Yeah, you showed it off. Hmm. Yeah. It's all right. Somewhere, <laughs> I got my sauce. I know. I know you got one. Yeah. So, yeah. so other examples of that: Dark Eldar, the their vehicles, yeah. the the Venom, and the uh, Raider. They're, mm-hmm. they're both transport vehicles, and the models come with, you know, the vehicle and then a couple of troops hanging off of them. 
Yeah. And that's that's another one of my favorite examples of if you're okay with having a couple of witches that have their, you know, legs bent at weird angles so that they can be hanging right. off of a, a vehicle skimming along hundreds of miles an hour. And, you know, maybe you don't want your venom with uh, troops hanging off of it, but maybe you want some some witches jumping through the air. You just got a couple of free witches right there. You just got to exactly figure out a way to put those on a, you know, on a base, you know, maybe build up a little rock formation so it just looks mm-hmm. like they're jumping off a rock or something. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, that's, that's the best way to do it is you just make the base match the pose right so if they're supposed to be hanging off something it's like oh yeah they got their leg up on a rock and their arm Mm -hmm. up on this you know other rock way up here or whatever and it's like yeah super awesome model right yeah uh which brings up another point are you the kind of person that saves all your bits in a box and i don't mean saves your your bits and stuff that you have because obviously you generally have some left over but like Eldar is a good example, Dark Eldar. There's always like little grenades or pouches or extra little spiky whatevers, especially those Dark Eldar spiky things. Like, mm-hmm. like I never even owned Dark Eldar, and for some reason I've got probably 50 Dark Eldar spiky things and heads and arms in a box somewhere. Like, they're just everywhere. But um, do you like to put all those little things on every model, like having those riders hanging off of those Venoms or Raiders, or do you just set those aside automatically? knowing you're not going to use those. It depends on the bits. Like yeah. uh, purity seals, I do not put extra purity seals on my models. Grenades, no. Um, spikes, it depends where. I, I might, sometimes I'll put a couple extra spikes on a Dark Eldar, mm-hmm. but for the most part, I'm a person that has most of those extra bits left over at the end. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same camp. Like, I don't like extra weird non-sculpted in items like if it's not baked in i don't necessarily want it yeah, yeah um, you know a lot of times uh, an extra pouch or an extra grenade or skull that's supposed to be you know hanging around the belt somehow a yeah. lot of times just the the scaling isn't quite right or they don't quite fit right. in there and it really looks like they're they're muckled on and something extra and not yeah part of the intent of the model so it, that's yeah. yeah, it definitely feels that way, huh? It doesn't actually belong there. I mean, it depends. Like, it, you know, if you are a skilled modeler and conversion person, you can make it work. But a lot of times, yeah. just the scale isn't quite right. You know, the <laughs> how big would a grenade actually be to to go on the belt, and how big is the actual bit? And yeah, you know, I'm thinking Space Marines here is what I have in my mind, but. Sure. You know, the the pistol pouch that goes on the belt, like, a lot of times it doesn't fit right, and it looks like it would be really in the way and really big. Yeah. Uh, Or the pistol pouch that uh, comes for for Dark Eldar Warriors. The the Mm. old ones was way big. The only place you could put it on the model and have it, like, kind of work was on the back. It just, uh, you know, take up, like, the whole back of the model if you just put the pistol pouch on it. Right. So it, it depends on the model, it depends on the scaling, but I am generally a person who doesn't use all those extra bits, and so when the time comes for the, to possibly put them to good use, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready. Yeah. I mean, I think it's nice having that stuff laying around, mm-hmm. you know, because if you are, I don't know, building an orc deodorant skimmer, like... 
those extra heads and grenades and stuff to throw on like yeah that that comes in handy you know oh yeah um, yeah I, I like saving bits and you just never know what you're gonna need them for and and stuff like that really does condense down small put it in a little plastic bag clip it off the sprue put it in a little plastic bag if you want to keep it separated and sorted and throw it in a bin and call it good yeah we'll be back to it someday or or not yeah. Um, um what other what other conversions? So something I, I have down on my list, and this is not something I've done before, is like mm-hmm. kind of giving your army a little tweak to the to the standard theme. Like something I've wanted to do before is make capes for all of my Dark Eldar warriors. Ah, okay. So yeah, you know, um, Instead of just standard, my guys have capes. And so I've, you know, I've done the thing where I roll out the green stuff and I've got my sculpting tools <laughs> yeah. and somewhere in my bits are some really shoddy looking green stuff capes. Right. And, I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got the, I got some stupid bendy looking cape in a box somewhere, like a handful of them. <laughs> right, put, I've never actually made put it. Put that on your model. 3D printing list, Casey. We need capes. I, I will. Oh, I'll yeah. definitely put write that, on that the list. right down. Yeah, it's, right it's a little bit tricky to, uh, based on you know where the shoulders are and what the back looks a like. A little bit, yeah. Find a way, make it work. Yeah, I think I think we can do that. Mm. Uh, one of the good ones, actually, just just because we're on that, is uh, um, flags with no sculpted markings. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a thing that's being done right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's... all in good time. I want to I want to talk about this in in a little bit greater detail because uh, somebody that we both know, or at least I think, pretty sure you do. I know you talk to him, but I don't know somebody we mutually have seen, <laughs> like is working mm-hmm. on some some bits for me. So yeah, we'll get. Well, there. you you spill those beans whenever you're ready to, Casey. Yes, I know you will. Not okay, that. so. What else? So kind of, I'm thinking of, you know, conversions where you can do a couple of things across your whole force. So adding capes Mm -hmm. or adding like furs, that's reasonably easy to do with green stuff. I think I've, I think fur is like kind of one of those things that you do first, right? Cause it's like that texture that you can just kind of like scratch at. And I mean, I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm no good at it, but, uh, um, that's something I generally see. Like, I think they have a tutorial on for, on even games workshops, YouTube channel with green stuff. Yeah. So sure. Yeah, I think they're assuming that people, people like putting fur on things. Yeah. Of course they could be trolling. PETA. Oh, you sent me that link. I never read it. <laughs> you never actually read it. Yeah, you can right. you can get into this one. I'm I'm not up on this particular controversy from 2017. Yeah. Since, so. since we're rolling long, I'm not gonna go into PETA. But maybe we should just Yeah, write that down for later. We'll yeah get back to that. In if another we three or four some... episodes when we gonna come back around, you know. Yeah, if next we'll, episode we'll nobody PETA has a done bit. a really heinous advertisement, why <laughs> maybe we'll get into the, the PETA games workshop incident of right. two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Eventually we'll get there. I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> like it's, it's it's just a funny story, but yeah, fur is definitely a thing. Like that that does change your whole army. So 
Yeah. Um, let's see. Weapon swaps are pretty easy. That's a that's one I've done uh, for my Delac gang in Necromunda. And I do like that kind of conversion where there's like a really clear motivation for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like the box of Delac gangers does not have a melta gun. I want my champion to be using a melta gun. Um, I go through my bits box. Well, I've got this space marine arm, which I can cannibalize or, or this Imperial Guard bit. And, yeah. You know, with, with conversions, you know, sometimes you watch uh, like Mezgeik, uh mm-hmm. Mike on, on YouTube there. You know, he does some crazy awesome stuff with, with conversions. And, you know, some of it seems kind of not necessary. Like you could just buy that model or like, um, there's, a, there's maybe an easier way to do it, but I mean, he's doing some really unique poses on models that you could just buy and, and put together standard. But I kind of like having a clear motivation for, for needing to do the conversion. Like the only right. way to get this weapon on this model, um, certainly if I'm not going to buy Forge World bits is to... You know, convert this Imperial Guard flamer and scrape off the weird shoulder pad from from the Cadian and find a way yeah. to, to muckle that onto the Delac arm and and there's Hot Carl with his flamer. You know, right? Best ganger out there. How you play Necromundo a lot, right? Not a lot. I I don't play much of anything a lot. I I don't play a okay, ton, well, but, but I, you, I have a dream play. of playing games someday. So I like to assemble armies and gangs and forces yeah i i feel you i'm in the same boat i have war bands all over the place yeah. army I, I have armies brent armies never played wonderful i mean i have but i don't play very often yeah so we're in the same boat <laughs> yeah um let's see other other conversions uh like you, when I've gotten eBay stuff that's all broken up, like I, I got a, a lot of Dark Eldar Raiders 3rd Edition where the right. previous owner had cut off the whole superstructure. Like he cut off where the pilot sits there in the back and he cut off like the wings in the back. And he was doing something, or he was trying, like he had put like a piece of steel on the back because he was trying to get 10... I think it was because he was trying to get 10 warriors with magnets to actually fit on a raider somehow. And it's, it's something that's always bugged me too, is, is a raider can fit <laughs> six warriors on its sideboards. Like one of the old raiders that had sideboards. Um, I've actually magnetized my sideboards on my raiders and I could fit nice. six warriors on there. But it's but one of those things where, like, you know, a, a unit is 10 warriors 10? and it yeah. really bugs me. Um, that actually, that is very, Yeah. They didn't think that out when they were sculpting it. Yeah. Oh well. I, I mean, it's at that point, you could have though. a unit of five warriors. I think he still can, but you you probably can now. Yeah. I mean, you could have a unit of six warriors, but it is not you're not optimal. You're not going to be having a splinter cannon <laughs> right. that unit. You know, like you're not exactly. going to. That unit doesn't have a dark lance, right? Like, right. <laughs> but but anyway, I had gotten. A, I mean, it was a really cheap army deal of dark Eldar, but. There were like 10 raiders that all just had the tops cut off. And oh, man. And it looked really bad because there was no pilot. It was, you know, most of the body was still there. 
I think actually in the box were all the superstructures, which were like mangled and and cut off. <laughs> yeah. But then it was it was like a fun challenge of okay, I have ten raiders as long as I could find a way to make them not look terrible, and right. um, in that case, I had you know done some more eBaying and got the inner cockpit from a bunch of venoms, mm. and that's a thing where. It's a vehicle where you can just paint the canopy and not even see the like pilot inside the Venom. Yeah. And yeah. so this person, uh, I, I really cheap got one, all of the witches hanging off the outside of that guy's Venoms, but two, the the cockpit with the the pilot and, and stuff in there. And so I, I found a way to kind of build up the superstructure on the back of those half raiders I used a key from an old keyboard, like I was ripping out uh, keys from a keyboard, and that gave the that gave just enough height to the cockpit from a Venom, and right. then like I was able to put a few spikes on that, and uh, they're they're still like half finished, but I I do have three Ravagers that were built up that way. Nice, um, but I I enjoy the the illusion of needing to do a conversion to especially if it saves money like if i right. if i find a way to make this piece of trash into a raider <laughs> i don't have to buy a raider you know yeah exactly uh yeah i mean i think that's that's part of the appeal of conversions like large scale conversions like that um yeah like a lot of people go for i'm going to take this you know, toy and turn it into a thing. Right. Um, which I don't know. Like, I still don't know if I'm comfortable with that because now I feel like that's a stretch a little bit. Well, do you want to talk about, uh, your box there? Yeah. I don't know when I'm going to do this project. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever, I mean, I probably will. I, a subscriber sent me a box of Seraphon models. Most of them are normal from the start collecting box, but a couple of them were custom dinosaurs with a bunch of green stuff work on them. Custom dinosaurs. Toy dinosaurs mm -hmm. with green stuff all over them and like, yeah. And I honestly don't know how to feel about that. Like, it's a cool idea. And some of the green stuff work, there's a ton of bits thrown in, like actual Seraphon bits. So it's pretty legit. Um, but like, I, I honestly, I don't know where to, to come down on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I bet if you prime those up, they'll look really good. Cause you've, you've shown me mm -hmm. that it's, it's a toy dinosaur. I mean, it's. It's not the cheapest toy dinosaur. I mean, it might not be expensive, no, they're, but it, they're it looks right. it looks all right. It looks all right. It's got some texture on it. Oh yeah, actually, a lot of good texture. Yeah, yeah. for sure. These are these are upscale. They're not like dollar store dinos. <laughs> yeah. So you got toy dinosaur, fair bit of green stuff, and like the green stuff looks good, and a lot of actual you know GW bits on there, and. Again, if you prime that up, I bet it'll look good. I mean, you have, I, I know you have tons of other things to paint. Yeah, the mouth works very cool, Casey. <laughs> it does. Um, I'm showing you to but the it's, people. It's, yeah, it's like just one of those weird mental blocks where 
we've been conditioned by this company to want, you know, pure GW and, and GW right. makes the best stuff. And if it's not GW, it's not really a dinosaur. Like exactly. <laughs> if so it's how not far GW is it plastic, that I'm then brainwashed it's just a toy. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've gone through conditioning mm-hmm. and how much of it is like, but it is a toy. <laughs> like, it, like the mouth moves. The mouth moves, Brent. <laughs> I don't know how to feel. That, uh, I don't know if it's 50% or whatever the biggest part of the, the model is, but like the feeling like, oh, this isn't genuine GW right. uh, stuff. <laughs> like this is, uh, it's, a, it's a knockoff or it's custom and really cool. It depends on how you're looking at it. But, sure. Yeah. Now, and I know that they have all the, tournament regulations games workshop whatever 80 percent of the model has to be original something like that i i don't know the number anymore it seems to change every day but uh like i know that if i went to a warhammer store like they'd probably be okay ish you know but they'd probably also be like hey you know we, we want to see GW in the GW store. All right. Sure. Okay, so you, you pull rank on them and, and let them know that you're going to talk bad about them on Paint Bravely, the podcast, yeah. and see if they smarten up. The Warhammer yeah. store down the street. Yeah. Bunch of dicks. <laughs> Sir, you're going to have to leave with that toy dinosaur. Do you know who I am? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. It's time for some uh, undercover camera work. Uh, oh, I just need you, you just messed up, boy. <laughs> right. I, I got one of those like, chest GoPro you. straps, you know. <laughs> just <laughs> just hide that in the button. Just open the button of my shirt, you know. Mm-hmm. Just be poking out, and I'll say, "Can I play this dinosaur in this friendly game, sir?" No, no, you cannot. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch an undercover Casey gaming video. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, let me just write that down. The idea bank on my phone there. All right. I'm going to try to make as many dinosaurs as I can out of that start collecting box. You go harass your local Games Workshop employee (laughs) and uh, he'll make some YouTube videos. We'll check back next week. Perfect. I love it. And on that note, thank you again for joining us on another episode of Paint Bravely. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes subscribing to the YouTube channel, and sharing this message with your hobby friends. As always, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Yeah, actually, the uh, just like go go watch the last Paint Bravely, like the last five seconds. And we both awkwardly turn to the camera at the same time and stare at it. <laughs> it's it's kind of creepy, actually. <laughs>